Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Good to see everybody today. Before I begin, uh, real quickly in the lobby, sorry we weren't able to have our fall festival yesterday, but in the lobby after service, we're going to have some free popcorn and candy for the kids. Uh, if you don't want your kids to have any candy, what's wrong with you first? I'll just say, no, I'm kidding. If you don't want your kids to have candy or popcorn, you might want to go out that door today after service. But we're going to be handing out some candy and popcorn. And then I had a second announcement, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, yeah, the King of Kings comedy tour. That's this Friday night. I know November sounds like it's a long ways away, but it's not. It's this Friday night. So if you want a good, fun night, a family fun, come on out this Friday night. It's going to be a good, good time. Let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 12, verse 1. skip around a little bit in John chapter 12. We're going to first read verse 1 through 2, then verse 9 through 13, then verse 17 and 18. All right, John chapter 12, verse 1. By the way, if you're a guest here today, thanks for coming to Life Church. We're so glad you're here. Hope you enjoy the service. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Now, I'm not going to preach on this today. Matter of fact, I don't think I've ever heard anybody preach on this. Uh, but I think I might uh, have to do it one day. Notice it said the priest wanted to kill Lazarus too. There's a lot of people out there that want to kill what God has resurrected in your life. Don't let them do it. Amen? Amen. Don't let them do it. It was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. The next day, verse 12, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. And then skip down to verse 17. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about this miraculous sign. I want to preach on this subject today. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Amen. Amen. The Gospel of John 
from which we read is a wonderful book. There honestly is probably no other book in the entire Bible that says as much about the deity of Jesus Christ and many of his miracles as the book of John. We are told that Christ is the light of the world and that all men might through him believe. When Jesus came into the world, he brought incredible light with him. And the light of his life was intended to open up the eyes of all mankind. Yet we also read in John chapter 1 verse 11 that he came to his own people and they rejected him. In spite of all that Jesus did, in spite of all the amazing displays of power, there were still many who were eyewitnesses of all of that, and still they did not believe. Amazingly enough, there was still enough darkness to crowd the truth of what God was doing literally right in front of their eyes. Even seeing it with their own eyes was not enough for some of them to change their unbelief. And today my message to our church family is this. It really doesn't matter how much darkness that you see around you. I don't care how much confusion or mixed signals may be coming your way in this season of your life. Hear me. The promises of God are true and everything that he has promised to do in your life, he will perform it. And somebody ought to just give God a praise for that truth right now. I'm here to proclaim to you, if God said he was going to do it, you can take it to the bank. It will be done. In the midst of your doubt, I want to encourage somebody here today to let the light of your faith shine through. In the midst of fear, in the midst of worry, today we need to ignite or reignite our faith. Hold on to your dreams. Keep believing in God's promises. Keep doing what he has called you to do because it will come to pass. The dreams that God has given will come to pass and I want you to know no devil, no bureaucracy, no opposition in your life or in my life can stop a church or can stop a believer that is full of the light of faith and still believes. We don't need more of God. We just need God to help our unbelief. We don't even need to help God. What we need to do is for God to help our unbelief. I want to reignite somebody's faith here today. Some of you have allowed unbelief to creep into your walk with God. But I want you to know I have seen too many miracles to lose my faith. Come on, I have been a recipient of too much from God to lose heart in what he has done and is going to do in my life. What we need today is a high-octane boost of premium faith, and we need to flush our systems of unbelief and doubt. Amen. Don't let dark clouds kill your faith. Don't let personal fears quench your calling. Don't let insecurities rob you of your identity in Christ. Don't let the devil snuff out your dreams. Somebody shout, I still believe. Help my unbelief. Now, let me make a deal with you today. I'm going to give you everything I've got. I'm in a lot of pain. I'm going to preach until it hurts so bad I can't preach no more. I just need you to help me say amen every once in a while. All right? Unbelief has always grieved the heart of God. People in the Bible witnessed miracles firsthand, and they still did not believe. 
looking back at the story that we read from John chapter 12, tells such a story. Jesus was at Bethany having supper in the home of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. He had already performed a remarkable miracle by raising Lazarus from the dead. And now people who were passing through on their way to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem, they were curious to see this miracle man, Jesus. And they also wanted to see the once was dead, now alive, Lazarus. Amen. And in the same chapter, what's amazing is we find these people waving palm branches and singing hosannas to Jesus as he entered into Jerusalem on the donkey. They were literally seeing in front of their eyes the fulfillment of prophecy. They had heard about it all their lives. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, let me put it on the screen. It says, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. They saw it right in front of their eyes. The very thing that they had been hearing about all of their lives, it was happening. He was riding into Jerusalem. They were shouting. They were singing hosannas. He was on the back of a donkey. Can you imagine their alarm and their shock and their excitement? The Messiah is here. The King of Israel has come. And then, if that was not enough, you keep reading. And the Bible says that a voice from heaven thundered down. As God glorified his own name, Jesus turned to the amazing crowd and they said, and he said to them, he said, that voice was for your benefit, not for mine. Jesus recognized that voice. Jesus knew that voice. He said, that voice was for your benefit, not for mine. And the deity of Jesus is now on full display in John chapter 12. We see him raise a man from the dead. We see him fulfill a centuries-old prophecy that was known by all the Israelites by riding into town on the back of the donkey. And if that was not enough, now a voice as loud as thunder, the Bible says, speaks from heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but that should have made the most skeptical one in the crowd a believer. I don't know about you, but if right now in the middle of this service a booming voice from heaven was to fill this room, I think it would cause each and every one of us to believe. That should have made them believe. That should have alleviated any doubts from the crowd right in front of their eyes. Dead man raised to life. There he is. Prophecies that they could quote coming to pass. Voices thundering from the heaven. Each of these things happening in front of the people that were supposed to be religious. And yet, they still had the audacity to question Jesus. Unbelief was thriving in the middle of the miraculous. We see you fulfilling prophecy. We see you raising people from the dead in front of us. We heard the voice from heaven, but we still have our doubts. So in John 12, 34, they said, Who is this son of man? As crazy as it seems, that they had such unbelief. You know what? It's really not a surprise because we're by our very nature skeptics, aren't we? Matter of fact, some of you have been blessed with an extra dose of the gift of negativity. Amen. <laughs> Just going to give God a praise for it. Amen. <laughs> 
you may not even recognize your gift, but some of us around you do. But you see, you're not alone. See, history's full of skeptics, skeptics that were ultimately proved wrong. Listen to some of these amazing true quotes of unbelief. You're, these are going to shock you. Computers in the future may weigh no more than 1.5 tons. That was popular mechanics forecasting the march of science in 1949. Thomas Watson, chairman of IBM, said this in 1943. I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. That was the chairman of IBM. The engineering uh, engineers at Advanced Computing Systems Division of IBM in 1968 said this about the microchip. What good is that for? Ken Olson, president and chairman and founder of Digital Equipment Corporation in 1977 said this, there is no reason that anyone would ever want a computer in their home. DECA Recording Company said this about the Beatles in 1962 after he rejected them. He said, we don't like their sound and guitar music is definitely on the way out. Gary Cooper said this about his decision to not take the leading role in Gone with the Wind. I'm just glad it will be Clark Gable who falls on his face and not Gary Cooper. Charles Duell, the commissioner of the U.S. Office of Patents in 1899 said this, everything that can be invented has been invented. Now you hear those kind of quotes and you think, what foolish thinking. You hear those kind of statements and you think, five computers in the whole world. We've got 300 computers in this auditorium in your pocket. Your phone has more computing power than the first computer that I bought when I started pastoring this church. We hear those quotes and we think, what foolish thinking. Then we read about the doubters in John chapter 12 and we say, how could you not believe when Lazarus is standing right in front of you? How could you not believe when you hear the voice from heaven? How could you not believe when you see the Messiah ride in on the back of the donkey? And we wonder, how could they not believe? Well, first of all, the people in, in John 12, the source of their unbelief was they thought that the Messiah was going to abide with them forever. They thought the Messiah was going to live forever. How could Jesus be the Son of Man and fulfill this expectation if he's going to be lifted up to die? Such a Son of Man did not agree with their messianic expectations. Hear me. The hopes that they entertained for their Messiah was that he was going to ride into Jerusalem, they were going to wave their palm branches, and he was going to be the king forever. But notice, it can't be him, they thought, because God's plan is not jiving with the way we thought it was going to happen. See, we get in a lot of trouble, church, with God, and we get disappointed in ourselves when God's plan does not unfold the way we think that it should. See, sometimes our unbelief is because God is doing something, but he's doing it differently than we thought he would. Or dare I say it, than we thought he should. There's been a whole lot of times I, I just want to say, God, there's a really a whole lot better way to do this. You know, if, if you just give me a moment, God, let me tell you how I would do this if I was you. See, we don't ever say that, but we think that. We like the riding into town on the donkey part but the crucifixion part does not fit with my faith narrative.
that. We have preconceived notions about when and how God is going to work in our lives. And when it doesn't happen that way, often we lose our ability to believe. People lose faith when things don't measure up to their expectations. And hear me though, folks, just because things don't unfold the way that we thought that they would does not make him any less God and does not make him any less awesome and does not make you any less saved and does not make him any less operational in your life. Help my unbelief. See, people lose faith in the things that don't fit their plan. The Jews thought that Jesus could not be the Messiah if he was going to be crucified. And church, you need to understand something and I need to understand something. In order to keep our faith strong, we need to keep it strong even when God says my plan involves crucifying some things that you thought were going to live. You need to let that sink in for a moment. Sometimes God plan, God's plan involves crucifying some things that we thought was going to live. Sometimes God's plan involves taking our plan down off of the donkey with the palm branches and saying, nope, that's going to be crucified on a tree and it's going to die so that something better can live and so that something greater can happen. See, we want the promise to live without the flesh dying. See, but some promises can't come to pass until something dies sometimes what dies is our self-sufficiency sometimes what dies is my I can do it all attitude sometimes it's the wisdom of men that dies sometimes it's your plan sometimes it's your scheme but God says it's flesh and it's going to have to die in order for my plan to be fulfilled you see folks even the miraculous will not sustain a revival or grow a church John 12 is proof of that Jesus raised the man from the dead and he's standing there having lunch with him in front of the crowd and they still didn't believe. A voice thunders from heaven. See, sometimes we think if enough signs will happen, if enough miracles will happen, then the church will just be full. Not according to John 12. God speaks from the heavens. They hear it. Jesus even says, hey, by the way, that was not for me. That was for you. They still don't believe. See, the miracles will not sustain a revival or even grow a church. Jesus performed enough miracles for them, but the miracles did not help them to keep their faith. The miracles did not help them to keep their, uh, their, their, their faith strong. What sustains us, hear me, what sustains a church and what grows us as believers is faith. Come on. Speaking faith, living faith, walking by faith silencing your doubts come on telling fear to go back to hell where it belongs come on somebody what sustains us is walking through the storm and saying he is still my God he is still my source he is still my strength I don't care what happens I'm going to continue to believe help my unbelief I want to stop right here and tell somebody, you've lost your hope, you thought your promises died, but right now I want you to lift your hands and say, God, you're still true. Every man is a liar. Help my unbelief right now. Come on, that's it. Just ask God to give you a reignition of your faith. Ask God to breathe fresh fire on your hope. Ask God to crucify those fears in your life. That's it. Yes. Yes, God, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief.
as a church, we've got to understand that we have been the recipients of so many blessings. We have seen so many miracles. We have been blessed with the supernatural power of God in our lives. There have been so many things over the years that God has done for us. Mika Dorsey, who did the announcements, Mika, raise your hand. There's probably a lot of people in here that, that you're new. You don't know Mika very well. Mika has two beautiful children that are upstairs. Uh, one of them might be in here somewhere. There, one, one's right over there. One's upstairs in children's ministry. I remember praying for Mika when Mika couldn't have any children. I remember when God opened up her womb and blessed her with baby number one, and we all rejoiced. I remember when God opened up her womb again and blessed her with baby number two. And guess what? She's gone through a lot of rough spaces between then and now, but guess what? God is still true. And those babies are living proof that God is alive and God still works. And sometimes you just need to look back while you're in the midst of your trial and you need to remember the barren womb that was opened in your life. Help my unbelief, God. We got to be careful that when things don't unfold the way we expected them to, that we don't lose our faith in God. Because guess what we're doing? We're being spoiled children. Nobody likes a kid that gets angry when they don't get everything they want. How many have ever just had to grit your teeth and be real quiet when you saw somebody else's kid? Because you can't do nothing. You just want to get, mm, if that was my child. Don't worry, your child did it too, and somebody was standing in the corner gritting their teeth when your child did it. See, nobody like, but guess what? Did you know sometimes we're just like that? Well, God, I pray. God, you said. God, I'm still waiting. But guess what? God has never, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, God has never had sympathy or pity on unbelief. You want proof? Jesus walked away from the unbelieving crowds. He said, see ya. Matter of fact, he told his disciples, don't let the dust shake it off. Get on out of there. Just don't waste any time on the unbelieving crowds. Jesus healed those they wanted it, and Jesus just kept right on moving past the skeptics. And what God is looking for today is a group of people that will hold on to their faith in the miraculous even when things don't look like they're working. Too many of us have let God out of the box, and then our doubts and fears have put him right back in the box. I want to ask you today, is there any out-of-the-box faith that is still in this house here today? Is there anybody that you're still praying outrageous prayers you're still believing God for outrageous promises that God told you a long time ago you're still believing that God is still large and in charge in your life two nuns were driving down a country road when their car ran out of gas so they walked to a farmhouse 
and there was a farmer there that gave them some gas. He said he would give them some gas, but the only container that he had was an old bedpan. So the nun said, well, we'll take whatever you got. So he offered it to him, and he filled up that bedpan with gas. They carefully carried it back to their car. And as they were pouring the gas from the bedpan into the car, Pentecostal preacher was riding by. He couldn't believe his eyes. Two nuns with a bedpan pouring gas into a car. So he stopped and he rolled down his window and he said, excuse me, sisters. He said, I'm not of your religion, but I cannot help but admire your unbelievable faith. <laughs> I can't help but admire your unbelievable faith. I just want to ask you here today, is there anybody that can get out of the box today and believe with me right now that God can still do what he said he was going to do in your life. Come on, is there anybody that right now would be willing to say, God, throw a little gas on my faith fire because I'm ready to believe again. I'm ready to trust again. I'm ready to believe you again, God. Help my unbelief. God, you promised me you were going to set me free financially. I believe you're going to do it. You promised me you were going to save my kids. I believe you're going to do it. You promised me you were going to give this church revival. I believe you're going to do it. In the place of gloom and doom, in the place of clouds of confusion, do you still trust his promises? See, I know what it's like to wander in a place of faith darkness for things to get confusing. It's hard to hear from the Lord. And you cry out and you say, Lord, I'm not seeing you. I'm not hearing you. But the Lord is grieved by our unbelief. Just keep trusting him. He wants us to walk in the light that we have received. I want to remind somebody here right now, don't you doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. Don't you doubt in the darkness what you know God said to you in the light. Hallelujah. Trust in his word. Lay hold on his promises. Walk in the light of your faith. See, because when we complain of our inabilities or of our circumstances, if you're a child of God, see, you're not just putting yourself down, you're really putting God down. You're saying, God, I love you, but I really don't believe that you're enough. God, I love you, but I really, I really think you're a liar, God. But let God be true, and every man a liar. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9, verse 17. I'm getting ready to wrap up, so I want the praise team and the prayer team to come and assemble. Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through 24. It says this. <clears throat> One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. Everybody say, that's a crisis. That's a crisis. If that's your kid, that's a crisis. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Verse 19, Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. 
But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. I love verse 23. Look at verse 23. What do you mean if I can? <laughs> what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. Right now, Jesus is saying to some of you, what do you mean if I can? Well, God, I used to believe you could. I've been trying real hard to believe you could. But if I got to confess, I've been struggling with it. And that's what the man said in verse 24. Look, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now, let me just stop here. This is just me. Do you know what I read in that verse? It seems almost like a contradiction, doesn't it? He said, God, I do believe, but I also need you to help my unbelief. You know what I think he was saying? He's saying, God, I really do believe you can do it. I believe you can raise Lazarus from the dead. I believe you can do all those wonderful things. I believe you can touch Rodney. I believe you can heal everybody in this room. I believe you can touch everybody's finances. I believe you can touch their family. I believe for everybody else. But if I'm really being honest, I'm kind of having some trouble just believing for me. See, I believe you can, but help my unbelief. I believe you can right up until it's time for you to do it for me. So God, I really need you to help my unbelief. That's why I brought him here, God. Your disciples couldn't heal him, but I brought him to you, Jesus, because I really do believe, but I'm struggling. Help my unbelief. Seeing you do it for others, I believe. Just struggling to believe you for my situation. You know what? I really appreciate his honesty. I also appreciate his desire to conquer his unbelief. I also appreciate the fact that he was willing to name it and call it unbelief. I believe, but I don't. And I want to tell this congregation here today, if you feel like your faith has been under attack today, you need to fight back. You need to fight back. We need to declare war on doubt, and we need to bring focus back to our faith. Those of you who are strong in faith, you need to fight for those who are struggling with their faith. Some of you need to make some faith statements today and some faith proclamations, and you need to stand on the promises of God. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. This is what the Lord said in Habakkuk. He said, the Lord replied, look around at the nations. Look and be amazed. For I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if somebody told you about. God said, I want you to be amazed. I want you to expect me to do some things that if somebody told you I was going to do it, it's so amazing you wouldn't even believe that I could do it. It's the kind of faith I'm challenging some of you right now to have. The kind of faith that says, 
I believe God you could do something so amazing that nobody's even going to believe it people are going to be shocked by it people are going to be shocked when they see the job that you give me people are going to be shocked when they say the way that you deliver my family people are going to be shocked we're going to be shocked when they see what you're going to do this past week I found some old faith statements that I declared back in 2003 over this church guess what that was 15 years ago and as far as I can remember, it's been 15 years since I spoke these publicly over this church. And you know what the Lord asked me when I read those this week? He said, do you still believe? Yeah, Lord, I believe. It's been a rough, long 15 years. I just need you to help my unbelief a little bit. But I still believe. So you know what the Lord told me? He said, if you still believe it, I want you to proclaim it again this week. So guess what? I want you to stand with me right now. I told you to declare some faith statements. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to declare some faith statements. Verbatim, word for word, the ones that I declared over this church 15 years ago before we were even in a building. Are you ready? Do you want to hear them? I'm going to share them with you. And then I want you to rejoice and I want you to make some declarations. Here they are. I'd said them 15 years ago. By faith in the name of Jesus, I am saying them again today, God. This is not an exercise in futility. God, I am proclaiming these because you put them in our spirit. You put them in our church. And God, I am declaring and redeclaring today, God, that you're going to do what you said you were going to do. Here they are. We dare to dream of a place where lost people can find God, hurting people can find healing. Oh, I feel it again. And all people can find love. We dare to dream of welcoming thousands into membership in our church family, developing each individual to spiritual maturity and equipping them for a significant ministry in the body of Christ. We dare to dream of a church that is passionate about evangelism, sharing the gospel of Jesus with thousands in Richmond, supporting career, missionary, career missionaries on every continent, and sending out hundreds of our members on short-term missions projects around the world. And guess what? We sent them out for the first time last year. We dare to dream of an army of ministers committed to using their God-given gifts, talents, energies, and resources to achieve excellence and spiritual impact in every ministry of the church. We dare to dream of a congregation mature enough to embrace truth and holiness, yet compassionate enough to include people at any stage in their walk with God. We dare to dream of an inspiring church campus housing beautiful yet simple facilities including a worship center where people can experience God's presence and an education center where people can study God's word and basic life issues. We dare to dream of facilities that will allow us to minister to the needs of the abused, the homeless, and those who are struggling with chemical addictions. We dare to dream of a church family who love, learn, live, laugh, and 
together where everyone is included. Anyone can be involved and no one feels insignificant. We dare to dream of a church that will pray in harmony, give with generosity, work in unity, and worship with expectancy until God hears from heaven and heals our land with a visitation of his glory and power in the city of Richmond. And finally, we dare to dream of a Holy Ghost revival that will shake this city, that will shake religious traditions back to biblical truth, that will restore the glory and honor that is due to the name of Jesus and will break the bondage of those who need to be set free. Why don't you give God a shout of praise right now with me? Come on, somebody declare it with me. God, I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe. I believe. Help my unbelief. Now, real quick, we're not going to drag this out. Somebody right now needs to get out of your chair. You need to walk down to this altar, and you need to proclaim again, or maybe even for the first time, what God is speaking to you in your life, and say, God, I still believe. Come on, just step right out. Whatever you're praying for, step right out where you are. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. That's it, come on. Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Step out by faith. I still believe. So, hold on. Sometimes you're stepping out. You don't feel it yet, but you're acting upon it. Hear me. Sometimes you have to act before you feel. You have to step. You have to move. And that's what I'm asking you to do right now. I want you to declare it over your children. Declare it once again over your family. Some of you need to declare it over your finances. Some of you need to declare it over your healing. Some of you need to declare it over God's anointing and ministry in your life. That's it. Come on. I still believe. Just ask God. God, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. That's it. Begin to worship and begin to give him praise. Go ahead. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I declare and I decree. I declare and I decree. God, you're not through with me yet. You're not through with me yet. You're not through with me yet, God.
Right now, I've asked the band to stop playing. I asked the musician to stop singing. You know what I want the Lord to hear from all of us right now? Declarations. Declarations of faith. Right where you are, begin to speak it out loud. Come on, sometimes we have to say it. We need to verbalize it. We need to hear ourselves say it. I want us to fill this house with declarations of faith. Go ahead, right where you are. Nobody's listening to you. Just declare it. God, I still believe. That's it. Go ahead. I still believe. Come on, this is between you and him. God, I still believe. I believe you for my children. I believe you for my job. I believe you for my healing. God, I believe you for the miraculous. If you can't think of nothing to pray for, ask God to give revival to this church. God, I believe you for those faith declarations that Pastor talked about. I believe your hand of anointing is on life, church, God. I believe I'm part of this family, God. You've put me here for a purpose and a reason. That's it. Right now, let's make this a house of prayer. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 That's it, God. We still believe. We still believe. Nothing is impossible for you, God. God, I'm going to say it till I believe it. Nothing is impossible for you. You are not a liar, God. What you told me you would do, you're going to do. That's it, that's it, that's it. Let faith rise. 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 Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it, Life Church. Come on. Come on. I know some of you might be not be used to praying out loud. Just go ahead and do it anyway. Open your mouth. God, I believe you today. God, I express my faith, God, with my open mouth, God. I express it, God. I believe you. I believe you can heal my marriage. You can touch my children. You can touch my city, God. You can set my family members free of addiction, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. God, I believe you're going to set my brother Lee free. I believe you're going to set him free, God. I believe you're going to set him free. God, I believe you're going to set him free. I believe you're going to bring truth. Come on, church, that's it. We're pressing through. We're pressing out of fear and into faith. We're doing a little spiritual warfare right now, and that's all right. Go ahead. Help my unbelief. 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 Yes, Lord. 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 I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe, Lord. I believe, Lord. I believe, Lord. I believe you, Lord Jesus. I believe you, Lord Jesus. I believe you, Lord Jesus. I know nothing is impossible for you, God.
Hallelujah. Now, before we close this service, why don't you just begin to give, begin to give God a praise for doing. This is a praise of expectancy. I'm praising you now for what I know you're going to do tomorrow, next week. I'd say, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. This is a praise of faith. This is a praise of expectation. This is a praise of belief, God. Thank you for healing. Thank you for restoration. Thank you for deliverance. Oh, yes. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. I believe you, Lord. 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 Oh, you're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. Hallelujah. 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 Father, as we leave this place this week, I pray over this body of believers right now. God, that every time the enemy speaks to us in fear, that we will silence his voice. And right now, I rebuke you, devil, by the power of the blood of the name of Jesus. You are a liar, and I reject your lies. I reject fear. I reject doubt. I reject dread. I reject depression. I reject worry. I reject the negative report. And God, I walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, I trust you that what you said you were going to do, you're going to do. I trust you, God, because I know that every word that you say is true. God, I know that you are true and every man is a liar. And God, I pray right now that my faith would remain high, God. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that we would work together and love together and strive together in faith and belief. God, let this church be the light that you've called us to be. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said in Jesus' name. One last time, give him a praise. Hallelujah! Come on, that's it. Can you feel that faith infusion? Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. That's it. Go in the grace of God. I hope you have an amazing week. See you at small group or see you Friday night. Grab you some popcorn or some candy on the, on the way out. Have a great week in the name of the Lord.